Today's episode of the Black Flag Podcast is brought to you by Evan Orvath of Solero Commerce. We're coming to you live from the Solero Commerce compound as always. And if you want a small business that accepts debit or credit cards, you got to go check them out. Contact Evan Orvath or get in touch with one of us and we'll get you a free second opinion on your current merchant service provider. Do you enjoy listening to us every week? Want to support us even more? Become a friend of the program. Patreon.com slash Black Flag Podcast for just four sixty nine. Nice. Nice. A month. You get 20% off all of our merchandise, exclusive giveaways. You could ask us uh, any questions you may have on our Patreon uh, question segment every week. Or just leave us basically a virtual tip in our virtual tip jar. Become a friend of the program again today. That's Patreon.com slash Black Flag Podcast. Lastly, do you like playing with toy cars and telling your significant other that they're collectibles? Do you enjoy badass memorabilia of grown-ass men who are more successful than you? Well, after doing what Bradley and Bobby just told you to do, head on over to CircleBDieCast.com for all your diecast needs and merchandise, and be sure to use promo code BFP123 for $5 off purchases over $30. And one last thing before we get started, we'd like to give a shout-out to the Graphics Coop, Any Racing News, and Danny Eugene Photography for all their support. Brad Keselowski is going to be showing the black flag. It's the Black Flag Podcast. Every fucking week. Fuck, I hate my fucking job. Race analysis. Yeah, we're only girls pool here, so. Maggie forgets that if they changed the rules and took the champion's provisional away, he wouldn't have been able to race the last two years. So, uh, occasional alcohol consumption. Uh, Jimmy Johnson is on pit road because I think he's the leader. And calling people on their shit. It refrains me from not beating the shit out of you right now because you ask me stupid questions. This week's Black Flag Podcast is now in session. Hey, we actually out we beat him so it's all good uh, all right boys and girls so this is going to be episode 202 three three one it's over 200 Eight. i know that but uh as always i am charlie sanborn uh this week to my right is going to be bradley saucier and on the other side of a zoom call is going to be bobby timmons himself uh we are the black flag podcast on all things social media you guys all know that by now i hope if you're listening for the first time ever just go back a couple shows you'll hear me say it <laughs> episode 203 203 so three for dale we like that uh no we're gonna just uh i don't think we did much this weekend did we we just had a little get together we had uh, some friends come up from all around the region which was cool we had a little uh typically i think the first year we did a friends miss uh actually no, it was friends giving yeah, we did a Friendsgiving the which first was, year. Which was actually, no, we did that twice, which was always like the last race of NASCAR. Yeah. And then yep. we did and a Friends Miss. Friends Miss last year. And the the basement is still recovering from that. And uh, so, yeah, this year we decided, uh, people were asking in December, you know, if we were going to do a get together. And we uh, uh, decided to go with a, a Friends Missuary, which was a mixture of all three of those names, just, or two of those names just in January. So, uh, did that this past weekend, had a, Nice little get together with uh, some pals. Broke out the uh, new uh, ping pong table that is still standing, uh, which is good. And uh, no bodies or bikes went through it, so that's good. No, yeah, we had a we actually had a, a good amount of people come in from you know New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut. So that that was uh, that was really cool to see uh, everyone kind of come together, and uh, it's good to see some familiar faces in the off season. Yeah, it was a good little gaggle that we had over at Bob's parents' house, which uh, they were smart enough to not be on the premises while we had the party. It seems. <laughs> Uh, no, we, uh, we, we ruined your parents' house and then we, uh, fucked off and went from there. It wasn't that bad. I went over Sunday and cleaned it up, but, uh, a couple of lost pairs of sunglasses. Brad got a bunch of party favors and, uh, a lot of those made their way to the trash because they were busted or had beer spilled on them. But, uh, other than that, I don't think anything got wrecked that I know of. Um, my mom, very, uh, very clean and tidy person. She, 
didn't even want to go in the basement on Sunday. She's like, I don't even want to look. And I saw I cleaned it up. It's not that bad. So I'm sure she went down and it was probably way worse than I'm making it sound. But I thought it was clean anyway. Clean, nah. clean to us and clean to Peggy are two very different things, I feel. Yeah, this is very true. That, that, that might be the case. But when, when we left on, uh, I guess it was Sunday morning, it, it didn't seem like it was all that bad. I wasn't too, too uh, banged up, but uh, Amanda did have to drive my ass home. Um, no no shape to be behind the wheel of an automobile. But uh, I do remember us cleaning some stuff up and uh, I think that uh, it wasn't definitely wasn't spotless, but it was it was pretty, pretty much uh, well, it was better than it was, I guess, 10 minutes before we started cleaning. But uh, yeah, it was all in. On good fun, uh, got a nice little uh, banner backdrop from uh, somewhere over in China, which uh, <laughs> I had been trying to do since uh, Thompson. That was actually cool. Yeah, that was so good. so since since Thompson, basically, uh, we obviously we had a, anyone that was there, we had a banner that was hung up between two campers um, with like duct tape and like clamps and shit and a canopy. And uh, the banner was also hanging about three feet off the ground, which I don't know if you've ever seen a human, but typically they're taller than that, so. Uh, they just covered the whole logo. Uh, there's a couple photos where I drunkenly, like two months later, was like, Dad, yeah, where's that photo? Where's the one with us all in front of the logo? And uh, yeah, the photos in front of the logo are very much covering the logo. So um, went on uh, Etsy uh, on one drunken night, probably back in like November uh, after Thompson and saw that uh, you get a seven foot by seven foot banner with your logo on it for a fairly inexpensive price. Uh, definitely less than like 75 bucks. So that was cool. Um, kind of now we're, we're now we're ready to have our own press conferences. We are. Yes. It's not that. Well, it does look, it does strikingly resemble like the backdrop of a professional sports, uh, that, uh, press conference that is, well we are known for being professional that so is that makes sense that is almost exactly the reasoning why uh i wanted to get it i thought that it did look professional almost too professional for us but uh the thought is that we're going to bring mm-hmm. to the racetrack and all the big events and uh anyone that's like oh let's have a group photo let's have a group photo well there's you know a backdrop so uh our logo so we're gonna are- we're gonna bring it to atlantic city this year and hang it up in the wild west bar yeah definitely um that probably not but we're uh <laughs> <laughs> it's probably going to make the carry on for Daytona. So uh, we plan on, uh, obviously I actually uh, almost had a panic attack today, sitting at work looking and uh, seeing that Daytona was uh, about 19 days away. So um, financially I almost had a panic attack. Uh, clearly very excited for uh, this trip and uh, going to be uh, the first year that uh, we've been kind of talking about bringing the actual microphones down. So I think that that's the plan going to bring the mics down and just get whoever's available throughout the week in uh, to do a little interview. And uh, I think maybe what we do is we, uh, since we always bring a video camera down on those trips like that, we're going to set up a video camera and probably have that as our backdrop. So uh, the backdrop has uh, our big Pantatin beer in hand logo at the very top with uh, the alternate headset logo and uh, Danny Eugene photography alternating as uh Dan is gracious enough to take pictures for uh, all the drunken moments that we won't remember. So he, uh, he also, including Saturday night. Yeah. He, uh, he also came up Saturday night and uh group photo came out phenomenal, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see the logo. Yes. So that was cool. But uh, yeah, had a, had a lot of fun this past weekend and uh, then uh, and it snowed and, and it snowed again and it's going to snow. Yeah, there's like a foot and a half of snow outside right now when there was not that 24 hours ago. Yeah, so we can uh, we can actually just go right into uh, Grinds My Gears presented by Team Cosmo. Thank you to Scott Fowler for jumping on board that. My uh, my Grinds My my Gears is uh, actually weather reports, which um, so Amanda coming up from Massachusetts on uh, on Friday, basically I looked at the weather, was like, all right, it's going to snow this much between this time and this time. And then when you get up here, it should be fine, whatever. And uh, I was like, don't worry. But, uh, you know, I saw some, I don't watch the actual news because I'm not 112 years old, but uh, 
I, uh, I did, however, see like a little article someone shared that was like three storms in the next five, six days. And uh, I was like, well, that's, you know, that's weird, whatever. Three snowstorms, uh, apparently. And so I went on the weather app and uh, in Scarborough, Maine, it said that we were going to get zero snow um, on Sunday night and uh, that it was going to be an all rain event. So Saturday before the party, we had a little luncheon between a couple couple of the, the pals and uh, a couple of the gaggle members. And so we're sitting there and I looked at the weather just out of you know happenstance, I guess. And it said that there was going to be like a foot of snow. And I was like, well, what the fuck? Well, then I realized I was in Wyndham, 45 minutes north of where, you know, I live or where the highway is for Amanda to get back on to go home. It's but a half hour. Yeah, but you round it up to make it sound way worse. And so I, <laughs> I, uh, I put in Scarborough. And again, Saturday afternoon, it said it was going to rain all day or all night, Sunday into Monday, all day. It was going to rain all day Monday as well. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, we're, you know, out at Buffalo Wild Wings last night during the football game. And it starts pissing snow. Go to get Dairy Queen, still pissing snow. Wake up this morning. We got like eight inches of snow. And I don't know that I've ever seen it snow as hard as it did throughout the day today in Portland. I was looking out the uh, the window, the only window in my office, and I couldn't even see the highway, which is like less than a quarter of a mile from my office. So, um, yeah, just weather reports and meteorologists still being employed, even though they get it wrong literally every time. Grinds my gears. Yeah, my, mine would have to probably also fall under the, uh, the snowfall here. Uh, basically all the people that live in Maine that just somehow forget how to drive in the snow, even though they choose to live in a four season state, uh, all of those rubbernecking, uh, looking at anybody pulled off the side of the road. And if for any reason I have to stop at a green light because of you, because you're doing that, I, 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 I hate you. I, I hate everything about you. I hate your family and I, I hate your dog. So, um, that's, that's going to be my grinds, my gears. Well, my grinds, my gears is uh, also tough look for us bitching about snow when we've dealt with this our whole lives. Like this this is nothing new, Uh, but my grinds, my gears is I got home from work today and I wanted to uh, tune in to the Pat McAfee show on YouTube versus I normally listen to it in podcast form at work, but I got home, uh, got home from work and found myself with a rare an hour of time where I had nothing going on. So I tune in on YouTube um, and the commercials, man, they loaded quickly and clearly, but I couldn't actually get the Pat McAfee show to load. And then I tried to watch just anything else and none of it would load. But every time I clicked on a new video to watch the commercials loaded fantastically. That's uh, that's a tough break. Yeah. I'm pissed about it. I got a fantastically a word. No, but congrats. Yeah, my brain is scrambled. That uh, that could not have been exactly more what happened to me upon me getting home from work today. I literally sat down on the couch, was like, I have, basically I could go out and shovel now, but it's still pissing snow. So maybe I'll just wait until our interview's over and then go shovel afterwards. So I was like, I'll do that. Let's, let's see what's on YouTube. Well, Pat McAfee show is always a great option. Like you said, usually listen to it, figured I'd watch it, clicked it, ads loaded went to a black screen, nothing else would load, went back to the homepage on YouTube. And for some reason, the bits and pieces of the Pat McAfee show would load for like their eight minute segments, but I couldn't get the actual thing to load. Uh, so that was definitely frustrating as well. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Well, I'm glad it wasn't just me then. I was ready to rifle my uh, remote through my TV like a pissed off Cowboys fan. Yeah, well, yeah, that was a weird move at the end there. Uh 
Ezekiel. Uh, yeah, he should probably stick to running back and not play on the offensive he got line. Fucking steamroll. Well, yeah, <laughs> I don't, what was like? What was that play? What was that? I'm not really sure, but there was certainly no uh, urgency, as if their entire season was on the line. Yeah, and, and then Cuzzo just running out of bounds the wrong way. The whole yeah, that well, was- yeah, that, that was a tough series for uh, for Dalton Schultz. There, I think is his name. He uh, uh, let a smaller than him human push him out of bounds backwards. Which in the NFL, if you're not going forward when you go out of bounds, the clock continues to run. And then the very next play, he catches an out route for 30 yards and forgot he plays professionally and just put one foot in like he was playing in college. And that's an incomplete pass in the in the men's league. So tough, uh, tough end of the season for the Cowboys, really. Um, Another year where we hear about how great they are uh, and Buffalo and uh, neither one of them moving on. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, was certainly football chop. Yeah. Well, no, I'm going to keep it going. It was definitely. (laughs) Not only was it a tough weekend of football, so basically looking at the slate, there was about two teams uh, that I was probably cheering for to uh, win it all, and that would be Buffalo and that would be Dallas, um, both of which did not win. I did want to see the Giants win uh, over Philadelphia just because I just don't like Philadelphia as a sports town, basically. And uh, so They killed Hitchpot. Yeah, well, <laughs> and that too. Yeah. Exactly. Also, I didn't – so that Hitchbot thing that we talked about last week was hilarious. I didn't realize that happened like – six years ago <laughs> oh that's fine. and i heard it last monday on free beer and hot wings and then jeff brought it up so i just assumed that it was a recent thing free beer and hot wings show is all based around current events and then what are the odds that jeff would bring it up we didn't talk about it beforehand and then later on this week uh, i learned that uh yeah that that happened a long time ago hitchbot has no longer been with us for a long time oh Hitchbot and Harambe, rest in peace. Um, Obviously, Harambe is carrying the Bengals all the way. I did message Max McLaughlin yesterday before uh, the San Fran Cowboys game, hoping that I would be able to kind of jinx the San Francisco 49ers because that is his team. But I did message him and say uh, that uh, I was going to be claiming the Joey Burr T-shirt this year in Daytona because that is the last team that I want to see win the Super Bowl. Uh, tough being out of the AFC North, uh, supposed to hate them. I did hate them for a really fucking long time because of Vontez perfect, but, uh, Joey Burrow is just the coolest dude that's ever existed. And, uh, just the, the last little bit of football talk that I have, um, I, I tend to be really stupid when it comes to certain things. Um, most things actually. And, uh, I was just really, really happy watching football yesterday with Amanda when they lined up on that last play. And I just said, what the fuck are they doing? He's just going to get smoked here. They don't have anyone. They don't have anyone protecting him. How is he supposed to throw the ball down the field? And then he got smoked and he threw the ball nine yards down the field when they needed 90. So um, honestly, I'm just happy that if uh, the post office fails, I could be an offensive coordinator in the national football league. Yeah. Yeah. Tough, uh, tough look for the Cowboys there. Um, But your odds of scoring there are slim anyway so why not try something stupid and get one of your best players injured yeah that was a that was a good look uh long story short gold bangles uh been a big you time. are you are orange they are orange you get it you get it <laughs> whatever so it, it, i know it's convenient now that they have joe burr and they don't suck all of a sudden but i i always was a big Bengals fan anytime i got a football video game that was the team i played as because their helmets matched my go-kart uh so i was all for it 
uh, never ever played as the Patriots or anything like that. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's go Cincy. And uh, that being said, this is a racing show. Uh, we, we did have a pretty cool interview here uh, coming up. As you know, at this point, it was with Carson Hosevar, a uh, kid out of Michigan or grew up in Michigan, now uh, doing some cool Nash truck things. Uh, we talk about his journey up through and uh, what he's doing, what he plans to do. And, and, how, he, and how he called you forehead. Yeah, he, he did do that. And uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, basically, let's just uh, get to it. This episode. Oh, hold on. Oh. We got to talk about what Bradley and I are doing this weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I know you're not going Charlie and I'm sorry, but we, we got to talk about it. That's on me. That's on me. <laughs> yeah. We, we yeah. Did. This weekend, annual gamblers classic at Atlantic city. Um, 2021 was the year it was canceled uh, due to some cold and flu. Uh, so they're making that up on Friday night. And then Saturday night is the annual uh, the 2023 version of the Gamblers Classic Indoor TQ Midget Race. Bradley and I will be leaving after work on Thursday. Um, Brad's going to do what Brad does and probably take a nap in the grandstands, and I'm going <laughs> to do what I do, and I'm going to help Matt Janish. Um, try to Matt's. I think Matt set the record last year for the amount of times uh, qualified for the event. Still looking to uh, still looking to find victory lane um, in that race. Um, last year, I think he started. Uh, 57th and finished third. So hopefully we can build off that and uh, get two chances to win one this weekend instead of the normal one. Yeah, certainly looking forward to it. And uh, I will be um, looking to go back to back on naps taking in the stands. I would assume that that will happen if uh, checkbook does indeed say yes. So um, looking forward to uh, another trip down to New Jersey and uh, just looking forward to uh, getting there at the crack ass of too early and then just not going to bed and going out on the town and then going back to gamble a little bit. Well, uh, l- lucky for you boys, checkbook already told me he does say yes. Uh, so unfortunately that <laughs> I'm going to miss out on uh, gamblers classic. It's one of my favorite events of all time. Uh, one of my, one of the ones I look forward to all year, uh, not going to make it this year. Unfortunately, uh, have some prior commitments and that's all right. Uh, that being said, uh, you guys are going to have a good time and I'm, I'm a little jealous. Yeah, well, we'll, uh, we'll make sure to have extra fun for you. You'll be there in spirit. I, I maybe, maybe one of the next things we can invest in is a cardboard cutout of both you and I, Charlie, so that the events that I can't go to, you can bring me and then the events you can't go to, we'll bring you. I like that. I like that. I think we can probably make that happen. Uh, I'd say we could get a cardboard cutout of Brad, but Brad does everything. So we don't need that. Yeah, I don't. True. I don't know that Brad. I don't know that there's been one just you and I, Bob. Nope, there hasn't, and I don't think there ever will be. <laughs> I don't know. I did. I did miss. Uh, I did miss AC one of the years. I believe that was before the show. <laughs> I believe that was pre-show. Yeah, because it. We went last year. The year before was canceled. The year before, I think Brad, you came down when we recorded in our hotel room, and the three of us were on the brink of death. That was bad. I forgot about that one. Yeah, that might have. That might have been a scrub. <laughs> yeah, uh, probably. Yeah, we had <clears throat> we had uh, Brandon Ruzick on, and we recorded in JP's trailer after they failed to qualify for the event. And, and all you heard was just generator, I think, in the background. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, and then a collective group of individuals, us and them, all wanting to have a mass suicide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were uh, usually so. Uh, so those that haven't experienced it, I, I highly recommend it. And actually uh, also hats off. Adam Jocelyn's going to make the trek down there, try and do some NASCAR things. Um, but 
it, it's one of those events where you, you wouldn't we usually leave what Thursday, Wednesday? Yeah, before the before the speed weeks trip uh, cut into the budget, we used to leave on Wednesday night. Um, I think the first year we did that, Charlie, it was you, Rusty, and I. Yes. And we did. We had determined that instead of sitting in traffic during the day, let's just drive at night. You can cut a half hour, 45 minutes off the trip. And the hotel for the extra night is like the, the hotel. It's amazing how you can get a hotel at a casino on a Wednesday. And they're like, yeah, just buy a soda at the vending machine and we'll give you the room. But it's five thousand dollars if you want this. Saturday night, which is fine. I get the business model. So we used to drive um, through the night. And then the last two years where I've been going to speed weeks, we were, we're just doing it on Thursday night, missing, uh, missing the practice sessions that they have Thursday. But we, uh, AI said it best. It's practice. We, we talk about practice. No, I, I just, I, I, every experience at Atlantic city is we, we drive down there. We get there at Oh God 30 in the fucking morning. We go straight to Ducktown. We have our meal because it's the only place that's open 24 hours for food other than the casino part, but that's a zillion dollars. We walk over to the casino. Usually Bobby sits at a slot machine for three, four hours. We all make our way to bed around 6 to 7 a.m. Wake up maybe 10, 11, uh, start our day. You see the sunlight maybe twice the whole weekend. And uh, it's just one, one long day until you have to leave again on Sunday. Yeah, we got a good charge of people coming down. Uh, my sister Amanda will be leaving on on Thursday. Rusty, <clears throat> uh, his girlfriend Shelby, Nick Brown, and Megan, uh, our buddy Randy Pratt and his wife Amanda, they're all going down. I think Thursday morning. Uh, I think Brendan Meserve's coming up from North Carolina. I know when we had Freddie on a few weeks ago, he had said he was coming. Um, obviously, I think Timmy Salamito will be there, so uh, it, it'll probably get rowdy and reckless. Uh, other podcast friends, uh, Cassie Rocco from Track Talks and Tequila, I believe they said they were going on their show. So it seems like this is, I think this is the year that AC's back. Last year was still, was still kind of fucky because of COVID, and then there was a ginormous blizzard that hit New Jersey on that Saturday. Um, seems like none of that's going to happen this year. So I think this is the year that AC's back. Yeah, nothing makes a uh, an already wanting to commit mass suicide uh, more into Jonestown, New Jersey, more than a fucking foot of snow on the boardwalk. That's uh, yeah. Uh, the walk from Bally's to Tropicana for me to join in on checkbook saying yes, night two was miserable. There was a foot of snow, and they like it was awful. So I'm thankful that that's not going to happen this year. I don't think I looked at the forecast. Um, and it said 45 and sunny all weekend. So, well, uh, yeah, again, very jealous. I'll make my AC return in 2024. It sounds like also looking to go to the chili bowl next year. Uh, so going to have some stuff, hopefully get my life together at that point and, uh, start, start doing those bigger trips again. But, uh, again, this is going to be episode two Oh three, three for Dale. Uh, we have Carson Hosevar coming up here. Uh, this episode is going to be brought to you again by Susan media. Uh, they are the perfect place to get your brand to Victory Lane, offering social media management, website designs, press releases, graphics, logos, photography, and much more. Susan Media will get your social media pages up to speed for the 2023 season. With some of the top asphalt modified drivers uh, and many more already inside the Susan Media stable, join the team and start reaching a larger audience today. For more information, email kylesusamedia at gmail.com or visit kylesusa.com. Um, so with that being said, let's, uh, roll right into Carson Hosevar. All right, boys and girls. So as we just mentioned here, we're on the other end of this zoom call, 
we have a Nash truck extraordinaire himself, uh, driver, uh, you know, has been in the Nice stable for a, a little while now. Uh, let's just get right to it. What's going on, man? Nah, not much. Um, glad to have me on. Finally, I've known y'all for a while and it all started from, I don't have a Snapchat to uh, handle on my truck or anything. So, um, I at least don't have that. So that's how I originally met you. All. So that's, that's, uh, glad to finally be on. That, that, that leads me right into my first question. So obviously Charlie just mentioned, uh, Nash truck extraordinaire, been in the knee stable for a while, uh, had some runner up finishes, had some races you should have won. It's not really a matter of, uh, if at this point, I think it's a matter of when you're going to get that first one, but do you, do you think that you might not have gotten that first win yet because you don't have your Snapchat QR code on your B pillar? Yeah, definitely. It definitely is uh, worth a few tents, and I, I just, I just uh, wasn't uh, wasn't able to actually pick up the pieces to get up to bar. It's actually worth a provisional when you don't make the worth. So that's why. Oh, I, I get those regardless. Just look at the dome. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, so I mean, for you know, obviously we we see you on TV quite a bit. You know, we we know you from the truck. I'm sure a lot of people know you from that, but. Obviously, that wasn't step number one for you. So, you know, how does how do you end up with a steering wheel in your hand to start this all off with? Oh, are you asking like how it's how I originally started racing? Yeah. Where, yeah. How, do, how does how do you get interested in racing to begin with? Uh, I I tried every sport in the book. I'm six three, but I was I was a pretty tall for my age, and I wasn't very good at a lot of sports. Uh, just was uncoordinated, but liked racing on TV and. Uh, like to go into the local go-kart track for 10, 15 bucks and um, accidentally walked into and met some people that had uh, quarter midgets. So then found out by accident of quarter midgets, tried that and ran some tri rides and then raced a bit. Um, and then long story short, somehow met uh, Brian Clausen, which I got really close to him and his dad and still talked to his dad, obviously um a good bit and i wore the bc hats and got to know him a little bit and then by accident met johnny benson as well and went late model racing with johnny and um he had a car and i drove the car for a few times a few years he used his hauler he went and helped and wanted to be a big help and met uh he introduced me some some good guys and he really kick-started my whole deal he johnny gave me all, all his old partners basically from Michigan and that's really how I went racing um my parents did pretty well and was very supportive and spent a lot but uh Johnny literally called all his companies that he ran Michigan and said hey sponsor this kid and all and I'll do appearances and he helped out a lot um then uh the same guys that uh, he introduced me to run late miles with they wanted to do some Marcus stuff um got to meet Brandon McReynolds and everything and um uh, I'm doing like a really, really long story in short, but, uh, it's yeah, better if have... you, it's better if you talk more and we don't have to talk at all. Oh, perfect. I could do that. I could talk <laughs> my ear off, but, uh, but no, I just literally feels like I've accidentally met people throughout the way. Same deal. How I met niece. I drove one truck race for Jordan Anderson and I accidentally met Jordan Anderson just between mutual people from Michigan that I was at the international speedway. And they're like, hey, go meet Jordan. And Jordan's like, you want to run Eldora? And I sat and I was like, I don't really want to do my debut at Eldora. I probably won't run out all that good. And um, 
ran six in stage one and there, he leased a portion of Nisa's shop. And I was in December and I was probably around a handful of races for Jordan. No big deal. Like four or five races. And, uh, literally two days before signing the deal with Jordan, you know, had some partners and family to do it. And niece called and two days before signing it and offered me a deal that was more doable than Jordan's deal. So I was able to do more races. Um, and then it's just kind of snowballed from there. And Al niece has lost money to race me, but, uh, the last two years, but now, uh, with Wex sponsoring the 41 and the 42 and myself, um, you know, we're, we're all going to be able to be able to have the lights on and I can run with, without knowing that, uh, I got to search for money somewhere. So, so being from Michigan, did, uh, your start comet at Berlin, is there any other local tracks up there? And, uh, did you really have any dirt experience before, um, I guess just jumping into a truck at Eldora? Cause you know, I, we, I, we knew you from, uh, running late models and stuff. The first time I think I ever saw you really run in person was in Jennerstown. Um, but then it seems like you've kind of just taken on the dirt side of things now. And, uh, had you had any experience prior to Eldora there? Uh, no, not really. I wouldn't really call it dirt experience. Um, I ran quarter midgets on dirt a few times and I mean, that's really, I wouldn't call that dirt or anything. And I ran a micro sprint three times with Brian Clausen. I tested it once and I really wasn't good at all. I didn't understand the whole left flick it in and then run sideways at 10, 11 years old. So I, that's why I didn't really go that direction. I feel like I could take to it as much and that's not what I was used to. So that's why I figured definitely like, I'm just going to waste my time. You only get a debut once. I'm like, well, I'm going to go impress anybody. I wouldn't do dirt. And then Johnny talked me into it, said that, uh, you know, I'm not going to be in the top tier car and everybody's sort of on an equal playing field. So he's the one that really talked me into running Eldora and I'm more than glad he did because that's, that's really what I passed Ross in stage one. Um, and the people, uh, the GM says he was so mad because he knew the truck and how much that time they put into the 45 truck and they literally were right next to the three truck and wrote them off. And all of a sudden we were passing them with some kid they didn't know. So they, were, they were upset and they laugh about it to this day because um, the crew chief from Jordan now works at me. So we always give him a ton of crap that we were literally like 30th on the board and somehow ran top five most of that race. Seems to be a very uh, fortunate series of events, if you will, that kind of led you into that uh that truck deal there but uh describe that relationship that you have with johnny benson because that's a that's a name that's a that's a pretty cool name too i know bobby bobby likes a johnny big, benson from the super big, and all that stuff big fan of johnny benson yeah i mean it's it literally was i got asked by like uh jeff gluck for his athletic um like if i could redo it all would i hit the reset button knowing what i know now and i literally was like no i wouldn't because i literally everything's happened by accident of just like a somehow meeting this person, somehow knowing this person and somehow saying the right things to make them like me or make them want to do stuff with me. Um, I mean, it was literally that, that whole case. And, um, with Johnny, my dad, uh, was a small sponsor on a car just to learn the sport. Cause I, he knew I wanted to race, race cars. And we had a little track, Kalamazoo. I grew up at Berlin, but 
there was a little track called um, Kamazoo, and he wanted to. He got promote per, approached literally like two or three days before trying to even look into Kamazoo, and um, just to kind of learn. He was like a small sponsor, and the guy had a Johnny Benson race car, so that's how I knew Johnny. So they kept sponsoring just to kind of be in the know because my dad figured I'd grow up and then go run Kalamazoo local and have a job and do that on the side. No big deal. And um, I don't think any of us would have thought it's snowballed into what it is, but, uh, but yeah, that's literally how I met Johnny and kind of known him from mutuals of the guys we sponsored um, just a tiny bit um, owning his cars and buying cars from him. And then um, you know, obviously every dad's going to say that kid's pretty good and gonna want help from johnny and johnny was like all right come test and um me and him clicked it off right away and i still talk to him a lot see him around and uh he taught me how to stock car race and now he teaches myself and my dad the business side of it more than anything when we were starting to get fresh into this nascar scene so he's just been pointing us in directions and pointing me in directions and now it's just uh just buddy i call up every now and again and we'll go hang out with or I'll see him randomly at Millbridge or, um, you know, when I'm running the dirt late mile at Charlotte, he'll come by. So it's funny. That's a, that's a good segue to what I was going to ask. <clears throat> you know, you talk about racing at Kalamazoo in Berlin. Those are all pavement tracks. I've seen your race late models. That's where we saw you was a hickory with pass. Now you're into dirt late models and dirt midgets at the chili bowl where, you know, at what point do you make the, you make the switch, I guess, or, or decide you want to go that route. Uh, I mean, same sort of deal. It just happens by accident. I don't know how. Um, I, I, I've yet to. I, I think I've used all all my luck in certain areas. That uh, that's why I don't have any on the racetrack, or I haven't won the lottery yet. But uh, I mean, the dirt midget deal last year, I ran the Chili Bowl the first time, and the deal was done within two three weeks of the Chili Bowl. I was sitting there with Al, and uh, Chevy took us all testing in a micro, and I had videos from it. And Al wanted to see them, and he got all excited and loved it. And he's like, yeah, you got a chili bowl ride. And I said, no, I don't know anybody. You don't have any money to go blow on it. And he literally was like, all right, go, go find somebody that will rent you a car. Uh, just send me the invoice. So that's what I did. And um, the dirt late model, Al Nice really wanted to build a world outlaw sprint car. And no one in the shop wants to let me run a world outlaw sprint car. <laughs> and no one in the shop knows how to build an outlaw sprint car, but a lot, no dirt. Um, Cody summer is our operations manager and he used to do a lot and oversee Bloomquist's chassis shop and, uh, Cody Efa, his dream was to go run dirt late models, um, and, and own a dirt late model and everything. So it's, uh, their kind of way of telling out, we could do a dirt late model and that would be the closest we'll get for a while. And, uh, they convinced Al and they kind of went half all in on, on building the dirt late model. And, um, you know, they knew Tyler Carpenter from winning the dome and Cody summer promotes the dome. So that was sort of, uh, okay, we'll, we'll help kryptonite out and kryptonite give, give you the race car. So that's how they kind of did that part and each other helped. And, you know, Tyler got to run it once or twice. And, um, but more than anything, they just let me run it. So I was, just kind of thrown in they asked if i wanted to run it i wasn't going to say no and um circle b diecast saw me at kansas i've known them for a while and i don't have any room for them on the truck and they wanted to spend money with me and um 
I saw them at the Chili Bowl last year and they wanted to get involved. And I was, I kind of really didn't talk to them a whole lot. And they finally went and found me at a truck race at, in the pit road and said, uh, you know, same sort of deal as Al, just go find a ride and uh, just let me know what it costs, really. So, and now they're going to make die cast, which will be really cool and everything. But uh, I just somehow on this dirt stuff, I love it. And uh, I want to do more. I want to do a lot more. But uh, it, I've, I've kind of just fallen in the right spaces and right time and right people around me that, uh, that they're just letting me do it. And, uh, but I grew up idolizing Brian Clawson. I love Brian. And, um, you know, I wanted, I, I, I told Flo, I'm one tenth of talent of Kyle Larson, but I still want to do the schedule as him. So one question I have, and only because I've done it a handful of times myself, does that late, does that dirt lay model have a Burt style transmission and how bad did that fuck you up the first time you did that? Well, see, I got lucky. I, I was really, really bad at the Burt style transmission, but I ran out pavement late models, outlaw late. I ran pavement outlaw late models in Michigan so that I've already gone through that headache and terribleness of it. So now like I'm not 12 or 13. Now I know how to run a transmission and shift. So this is, uh, this is plenty easy now. Uh, I just got to make sure I just don't burn the clutch out of it. Uh, but I'm more, I'm more struggle right now on the dirt late model of driving it hard enough rather than I, I'm, I'm struggling on the track rather than off the track right now. So I'm, that's where I'm at. But I can get around pit road just fine. <laughs> those, those that don't know, a Burt style transmission, it, it quite literally is the exact opposite of any other manual transmission it's, ever. It's it's almost terrible. Like <laughs> it, it An, another up. reason why super modifiers are awesome. No clutches, no transmissions. You don't gotta worry about any of that bullshit. Really? It takes 40 I never click it into gear and let her fly. It's just like a sprint car. It, it, except for the fact it takes 45 minutes to get the race started. But anyway. Uh, you guys are just afraid of going fast. Just say that. Not that. Uh, so, um, it, it, obviously, you're in the, the niche truck. That's solid stuff. I think, you know, from our vantage point, you know, getting to you know spectate a lot. Obviously, um, it seems as though Ross Chastain might have helped bring that company or that team up into the forefront. Now you are the guy. It seems for niche. So, um, you know, going from that smaller type of stuff at Kalamazoo or or Berlin or whatever, now transitioning into the NASCAR role. What, what are some of the bigger differences that you've noticed in terms of how the business is run? And is that kind of a turnoff for you? Cause I know that for some people that the business aspect of it is so large that it, it kind of takes away from the fun of it. Uh, yeah, I probably haven't dealt with it as good as I have, but I've kind of come to terms with it. It took me a while to realize it's like, uh, it's like, best way to describe it is is you grow up see magic tricks right but then you finally become old enough and then you see the behind the curtain uh and you just you realize it's not all sunshines and rainbows and uh thumbs can't come apart and put back together so <laughs> i i've i've come to terms with it and i i don't think i had um very well and, and manage it all and and deal with the overwhelmments of it all and i think it's more of the sponsorship side and the everything of it and, and managing the hectic schedules and, um, you know, dealing with a lot of politics and drama and, and, you know, there are this and there are this and, uh, a lot on the business side of it more than anything. But, um, luckily that part is kind of cleared away and I could just be a race car driver and I'm paid to be a race car driver, which is great. Um, 
but but yeah i just that part is definitely different i always hated uh before coming to north carolina why they called it organizations or companies and i was like they're race teams like why don't you just call it a race team like i hated that and now i'm I understood why it's called that and why there's because it is it's it's a company it's a business and uh, you know they can't they can't make money off prize money alone and that's something you realize too very quickly and and that's just kind of a weird dynamic of it but you know I'm now in a really really good spot um, that I feel you know I have a whole truck team built around me and. Um, you know, kind of what I say goes right now on the direction we're going to go, which is really, really nice. You know, I'm not handicapped and with WEX coming in and, and a lot of funding from Chevrolet and everybody, they really have now the resources to go fast and do the things, you know, I would ask for adjustments. And if you're a cup team, if you say, oh, the brakes were a little spongy, they're going to buy seven different kinds of brakes and you're going to go test it down, down the parking lot or on the simulator and they're going to buy everything. They're going to change the whole assembly. They're going to change the fluid. They're going to change everything. Where if I said an adjustment or I needed a different aero package, the only way we'd change the body or update it is if I crashed it. Like that was the only way we could afford it, it because it just wasn't in the budget to go take brand new race trucks or, or plenty fine enough trucks and, and go cut them apart door tops down and spend 30, 40,000. Like it just wasn't possible where this off season, they've cut almost every single truck to change them all because we were so far off KBM's numbers and Toyota or Toyota's and um, Ford's numbers. Like just as a company, we were off on our downforce and side force and everything numbers that uh, it's almost a miracle. We ran as good as we had looking at that as comparison. But I think that shows like how good Phil Gould is and everything. And um, you know, now being tied in with track house, we'll have a track house, crew pit crew which will be huge and i've been doing a lot of their cup stuff so seeing how they just kind of manage everything and think and just how they even work is just kind of i feel like i can help them because i never drove a cup car i don't have anything compared to and i just have thoughts and i have a completely open mind where i can bring back a lot of stuff just on just so much resources they, they have, you know, I walk in and there's seven engineers just to watch me go around and drive in virtual circles. Do you think that KBM switching to Chevy is something that's going to elevate the whole Chevy truck program? Or is that something that you think more of the alliance with track house is a bigger piece? Of it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't, I think, I mean, uh, I thought Thorsport went, uh, you know, just as fast, if not faster switching to Toyota, um, and with Chevy, um, finally getting a, you know, manufacturers really don't get to share notes and, and Ford and Toyota have had teams switch back and forth a lot. So they have the same notes. They have all the same deals. So they almost raced each other with, with knowing each other's numbers where Chevy hasn't, it's been GMS and Nice. That's about it. So we're just falling behind or falling behind the times of it all. And, 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 just got really complacent as both a manufacturer and race teams. Like, you know, it was really GMS, the only one leading the charge and, you know, they were running pretty good. So they weren't going to reinvent the wheel. Um, so, you know, Nice couldn't afford it. So they was really just GMS as the Chevy deal and Chevy wasn't in a spot where they, you know, they have this big headquarters now, but it's brand new. You know, they didn't have enough resources. They didn't have their own facility to go test arrow and go find gains themselves as a manufacturer. So there's just 
super, super far behind that I think KBM switching over. Um, if it didn't, if KBM did switch over, I think we'd have a really tough time to dominate races again and, and be there. You know, I would have to work. I already felt like I was working a lot harder behind the wheel compared to everybody else. And, you know, that's probably why I put myself in bad spots, but um, I think it should be easier, but it should be a lot more handle more easier to handle and a lot less chaotic and able to kind of play chess rather than try and play chess with the grandmaster with you not knowing what even the pawns are called. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. So, so we obviously just got done watching the chili bowl where, where you went and competed. And I think I heard that you were up in the rowdies for a little bit and we saw you making uh, your announcing, was that your announcing debut? Was there any nerves? Yeah. how, to, how do you feel like that went for you? I thought it was I, – I didn't think I was that bad, and uh, I didn't think I did overly great, but I, I, I don't even had a single person – like people have brought it up to me, not even me bringing it up, just people have brought it up to me that they really enjoyed it or laughed at it or did really good. And I even walked into the Chevrolet headquarters, and I had like six people mention it. I was kind of shocked by that part, but I was pretty nervous. I just didn't want to step any toes or – yeah, I was just kind of in the background. I would just put in my tube cents and then um, I started selling some jokes and telling some stories. And then um, by then I was laughing and I was just back at normal and I forgot I had a microphone on. I was just having, I was having a good time. And once you, once you put a, a coin in the jukebox, you got to let the whole song play out. And that's basically what I had. I'll charge what you. was your, what was your reaction when your teammate and our guest of last week's show, Jeff Champagne, uh, called himself a bottom bitch after winning the we were all we were all laughing our ass off we were all laughing because uh, like we were laughing about like two interviews or one interview before just on like how like on i think it was dylan welch like just how on like i wouldn't say like on cookie cutter all the chili bowl interviews are like they literally you're you're not even done landing from your flip and they have a microphone in your in your car <laughs> asking you what you saw or what happened or what that idiot do or um so it's really funny to see and really cool i I just think the whole broadcast the whole all the commentators like i love like when they like almost rag on people when they're doing something dumb or um doing something wrong so um the drivers definitely fed into it especially jeff you know i i told him he definitely needs a um two-time f champion uh t-shirt and i would buy one (laughs) Well, well, we actually had that same conversation with him. I think he said last week on the show that you had brought up that he should make that into a shirt. And Charlie threw out the idea of uh, the meme of the podium where he's down at the very bottom spraying the champagne. <laughs> Obviously, uh, the fact that his last name is Champagne makes it a, a whole lot better. But uh, uh, that's good. Yeah, going going off of uh, just the announcing thing, Charlie and I announced at a local go-kart track, and I was way more nervous than you sounded uh, up there announcing to the Chili Bowl with hundreds of thousands of people watching. So the, th- the 30 people in the stands definitely heard a little bit more of a shaky voice at the local go-kart track. Yeah, well, see, I, I forget, like, how many people watched that main. So it was really cool because I got to go, like, before my G main and then, like, after. So, like, I got, like, the E's and D's that are super, super serious. And then before, when it was just like the O mains or whatever it was, K mains, that guys are literally just running, you know, D2 midgets that are flipping over each other down the straightaway and struggling. So, like, it was really like, 
like oh he crashed and, and then we we're just talking and then, oh he, look at this oh we got one upside down type and then like the d mains like they had to tell me like to not talk over him so much because i was just getting excited i was just talking like i didn't know the cues i didn't know anything and i thought they weren't saying the right thing like because i was like ah Corey day just drove from like last and i i knew i pumped him up pre-race so i wanted to like take the credit for that so i was just pointing it out because i figured out that uh the cameras are like the guys in the cameras are hooked to the audio so they're they'll switch to what uh what you're talking about so i was trying to like change them and uh they had to like mute their mics and just to be like all right like we'll kind of cue you in like you're back her down like a little bit so but no i was having so much fun like i would uh um like i would i would do that a lot more especially the chili bowl like chili bowl i feel like is so different that uh i got the cream of the crop and anything else might be a disappointment what so i we did see you or i think maybe, maybe I, but I, I guess we heard that you were up in the top row rowdies what's the what's the wildest thing that you saw at the chili bowl that you, you're uh, allowed to share uh i mean there was a lot um probably not as much this year. I think they were a lot more strict. It was, uh, they were, there were a lot of marshmallows and it was literally, um, they were checking bags as you walked in. So you wouldn't have marshmallows to see if you had marshmallows. So I, w the big joke was it's a, it's the only event in the country where you could sneak beer in a lot easier than you could sneak marshmallows in. Huh. That's, that's, but, <laughs> but yeah, like there was a crap ton of marshmallows that you just throw and get hit and uh, hit other people. Um, there were a lot of flags and air horns. Um, I thought the most different thing that I saw that I was, that was up there that I didn't see last year was they had airsoft guns, but they had Orbeez in them. So they would just literally just start shooting everybody at random times throughout the race. And I was like, luckily I was like always standing like maybe right next to, or like right behind the gun. So like I wouldn't get hit or anything, or at least I was always like friends with the person holding it. But I thought that was like, maybe almost like a touch too much <laughs> yeah it's always I was like okay that's a little much because it was like like you ever seen the 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 tiktok or whatever it was of like no uh no burst in the building or whatever it was like that thing was literally gonna shoot like 10 in one second yeah yeah it's definitely good to make friends with the guy that's holding the gun yeah, definitely. Just, I could get take it out of context so bad, but yeah, <laughs> that's probably the second rule of thumb anyway. Yeah. <laughs> just no that's matter what's doing, but um, I mean, ob obviously, you've done a lot of a lot of cool shit. I mean, you've, you've done things <laughs> with the late models and, and dabbled in the dirt. Obviously, you make a living in NASCAR, so kind of kind of rank these things for us. I mean, you, you've you've run the snowball derby, you, you've been in the chili, or you've ran the the chili bowl stuff. Um, you've done NASCAR stuff kind of, where does this all rank for you? Cause you have a pretty special opportunity here where you get to kind of put, put your feet in whatever kind of race car you want. Yeah. Oh, for me, the chili bowl is my top. Um, like I love the chili bowl just as a fan and being able to run that whole event is, is my favorite. I've, that's about the only race when I grew up, like, um, I grew up watching midget stuff. I'd watch Turkey night. Um, but I'd also mainly watch the chili bowl and especially with it being on speed at times or flow, I would, I would really tune in, um, cause there was really no streaming service back then. So I would just, that was mainly the only way I could tune in and watch dirt racing. Um, but then to be able to run NASCAR, that's obviously really high. And, um, you know, I think the dirt lane model would be definitely right, right behind just as the fact of something I thought I'd never do. And I've got to do it a handful of times and 
probably get to do it a handful of times more this year and you know hopefully a lot more to come well we do have some patreon questions for all of our pals that subscribed over on patreon so uh we'll get into those now because i'm sure that uh some of these are the questions that we had to ask you but we'll let them do it uh alex krakowski a uh, little different question, I guess. What's the best finish to a race that you've ever witnessed? I don't know. Maybe, maybe give. Uh, I guess the first one that comes to your mind, whether it's you or just one that you were at watching live. Well, obviously, oh, uh, winning the F main, that's got to be top. Top. One. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty close. No, honestly, I think uh, I think it was really cool to see the. You know, obviously Wednesday night of the Chili Bowl. It's just so recent that I I think it saved the whole event. Um. But, you know, obviously the whole deal with Ashton falling out of the race car and, you know, this scary side of that, like so many people left. I was sick to my stomach and everybody in the stands was. And the rowdy section was the only time it's ever been quiet. It, it sat, everybody sat down. Everybody didn't agree that, you know, we didn't know anything. So everybody was kind of in disagreement that the race was going to get restarted. And you know, it was kind of weird and kind of awkward. And we all sat on the ground and the race wasn't all that great. So it was just kind of around the bottom. and obviously people are going to be a lot more timid to go haul ass and, um, and, and, and Rico went up and ripped the top like the last two, three laps. And all of a sudden everybody kind of stood up and got excited and, um, you know, really got pumped up and kind of gave everybody a, I think we'll be all right. And luckily then we got the news with Ashton and he ended up being fine. But, uh, but yeah, that was kind of cool just to, see that happen and see it in person. And then, uh, yeah, that was the main one I can think of right away off the top of my head. Yeah, that's good. I, I definitely heard that, uh, Rico went to the hospital, I think afterwards, which is super cool. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. guy for sure. Uh, Brian Hahn said, if you could go pro in any sport aside from auto racing, what would it be? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, any sport other than auto racing? Uh, I'd almost want to say like football, but like I'd never be built for football. I would break, I'd get like my legs ripped in half. Like, yeah, hell of a cut. Like, <laughs> that I might, but uh, I don't know. Uh, that's a tough one, actually. I think it would be really cool to like, like my initial thought when you said that before motor races, I, I really want to be good at like, I think rally cross is so cool. Um, like I think that would be really, really cool. And like Travis Pastrana and all that. But uh, I wish I was good at that stuff or good at like X games type stuff, but uh, I, I would never be able to do it. All right. We'll go, we'll go with football then. And you'd probably yeah, not, we'll go you're with not, that. You're not dropping off into any half pipes anytime soon or anything. No, not at all. <laughs> if anything, it would be like uh, BMX or something. But I would still like I'd break every bone within like the second <laughs> second try. Uh, Tony Palladino had two questions, but someone asked the second one, so we'll just go with the first one, which uh, was one that I had as well. What are the chances of you running the Snowball Derby in 2023? Uh, I'd say 99.9 percent, .9%, especially with the dome being not the same weekend. So. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be able to do both, which is really, really cool and really exciting for the fact that it's definitely going to help me break up. It's perfect with the off season between the holidays and, you know, the dome and then uh, the chili bowl. It really breaks up the year that the off season really don't feel a whole lot. Plus two, then within the dome flu and the chili bowl flu, that's another extra two weeks that you're sick and it makes the whole weeks go by fast. So, so just going off of that, it sounds like you're planning on running the Chili Bowl as well next year. 
Yeah, I plan on running all, all three. Um, you know, Snowball Derby, I love that event. And then, um, you know, the Dome, if they, they let me run again. and uh, I, But I, I don't see why not, uh, especially with Cody Summer and everybody at Nice going to that event every year. Um, and, and then hopefully the Chili Bowl. But the Derby, Dome, and Bowl is a pretty sick offseason. So. That is awesome. I don't know how I could get any better. Get a TQ and run Atlantic City while you're at it. That would be cool. That would be fun. I gotta. I, I don't. I've never done that or been there or seen a TQ midget ever. You're gonna need to be about a foot shorter than you are to fit in one. I think. I was but. gonna say. I don't. I think I could like squeeze into a lot of things. So I don't think I could squeeze into a TQ. <laughs> well, we'll only see at Pensacola, and sounds like Tulsa next year as well. So looking forward to that. Uh, Tyler Bauer said, uh, "Why do we bring out intentional cautions?" But I've never seen you do that. So we'll just go to the next question. Um, <laughs> Definitely not at Hickory. <laughs> no. Sean, <laughs> oh, oh, what, what, what? I was gonna say at Hickory, that was that was not my fault. I <laughs> I got I broke and spun, and they let me sit there for four laps. So then I was like upset because I thought that was like super weird. I didn't realize the whole like if you spin, you're just supposed to merge if you're like somewhat out of the groove. And I was all like, I, all I remember is coming up like behind you. And you did like a John Four style fucking burnout down the entire back. It's like, oh, I, I was off turn two, right? So I broke and it's um, flat in my left rear. So I was halfway spun off two, and I was literally on the bottom of the racetrack, like still like somewhat in, out of the groove, but like still on the pavement enough. And like they just let me sit there for four laps, and I couldn't like reverse. So, like, I went through the grass and, like, through the infield, and, like, I just kind of wanted to make a point of, like, I, I, I don't think that's very safe-ish at all. Like, I'm, like, because <laughs> uh, I was buddies with Matheson, and he was, like, like, he came up and was, like, passing a guy and, like, had to bail out and get back in line from not hitting him. Yeah. Were you the one that was responsible for Jake hitting the rev chip for Carlings before the start finish line, or was that his own fault? Uh, that's definitely his own fault. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love busting his balls about that. I, I typically hate the sound of super late models hitting the rev chip. I understand why it's done, and I, and I get it, but we were at that race at Hickory, and I'm working on Derek Nealon's car. I'm underneath the back of it, changing gears or something, and I just hear this motherfucker, like three quarters of the, like not even on the front stretch. It was yet. the like, whole straight away. <laughs> The whole straightaway. I'm like, Jesus Christ, Jake, either open the chip up or take some gear out of that fucking thing. Uh, Scott Fowler, uh, for some reason, asked, do you have a transmission for a 2010 Silverado? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't, but if I know anybody, I I know the guy that needs one. He's in our Snapchat group chat and his truck for sure shit the bed today. So that's uh, he's just putting some feel. (laughs) If, if you uh, if you need any more context, about 20 minutes before we started recording, he sent me a chat that word for word said, does anyone have a BFP tattoo yet? And I said, no, not to my knowledge. And he said, send me a draft and I'll go get it done. So that that's going to nice. Happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it would probably go on his ass too, knowing him. So probably uh, Sean Miner said, uh, how do I get Neath Motorsports to unblock me on Twitter? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, our, our PR lady's pretty, pretty ruthless. She's, <laughs> she, I, I wouldn't mess with her. So I, anyone I, I can get it. I wouldn't mention it. Yeah. Any, literally anybody, especially if you name like Derek, like named anything with Derek Krause or anything. They, uh, I, I know they went on a spree with, with that one. 
uh, Matt Sane said, how do you handle criticism in your career? Like from a certain podcast where uh, spotters stir the shit on a regular basis. Oh, I don't mind it. I think it's funny. Most of the time I, I only had a problem. My teammate was trying to egg it on for Twitter. Like, and I was like, all right, buddy. So you calm down. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I laughed at it. I, I have a good time. And honestly, I've gotten so many texts about them that uh, like, wondering what their deal is and it's kind of weird and it's all buddies of theirs. So I don't, I just think that part's funny too. Yeah. We're, we're, uh, we're big fans of one of the three of the people on that show and not the biggest fans of the other two. So, uh, especially the one that's very vocal towards you. We, uh, kind of clowned on him on last week's show because he was, um, from, he was grandstanding from his couch in, I assume North Carolina about how the chili bowl needed to be canceled forever until people stopped getting hurt. Yeah, that's that's a bit ridiculous. Like, <laughs> uh, let's just uh, so Chris Russell asked a question that uh, may not be a little rude, but uh, so let's just go with uh, um, where where do you? Okay, let's just mm, how do, how do we reword that? What, uh, what's hold on? You just straight up asked why can't you close races to win a few? But I was just going to reword it to when do you think you're finally going to close <laughs> and finally win a race? Well, between Knoxville blowing a knocking an oil belt off, uh, Charlotte, I picked the wrong line, but I picked the line with my teammate as my pusher, and he spun the tires. I figured that was a lock. Uh, I thought that was the move rather than the top lane. Um, I figured John Hunter Nemechek uh, literally about crashed me because he's such an aggressive pusher. So I was like, all right, like uh, I figured Ross would be a bit smoother and. Kind of blew that one, but after looking at our downforce numbers, it's a no-brainer why I couldn't drive in as hard as Ryan Preece. Um Yeah, I don't know. Uh, fair, I, Ryan sailed it in very hard. Yeah. 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 And I sailed it in deeper with le- a lot less grip and a lot less downforce. So it makes a lot more sense why I never would have made that work. But uh, but no, I, I figure in Vegas uh, will be the tall tale sign. I'll be able to have I'll, I'll be able to write, race the truck I've been racing against. So uh, I think that will be the determination of how our season's going to go. If we dominate and, and run really, really fast, I think it's going to be lights out. If we struggle, I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> That's it. Oh, is that, is that one of those races that Kyle Bush is going to jump into, though? You ever, you ever uh, I don't know, do you like when he comes out and runs? Uh, I know that obviously some guys, like we had Noah on, and he was saying that when he went out there in the duels, he uh, was lined up on the grid and he kind of like did like another, like a look around. It was just like, these are all my idols. I have their hero cards on my wall back home. Uh, is it cool for you when those guys come down and run, run with you? Or is Kyle the, the I guess, welcome kind of wore off since you ran with him in late models so often? Uh, I mean, the welcomes kind of wore off, but um, like, I just think of all of them as other race car drivers, but like when people notice and like, uh, like I passed Kyle last year at Vegas and ran out, ran him for a bit. Uh, even sideways and out of control and um, a lot working a lot harder than him. So now I feel even better. Um, But no, I just think it's more of a, that's your benchmark. There is no, there's no, you either outrun him or you don't. That's, that's your, that's your bar. Kyle is your bar. So that's how you know if your program is really, really good or not. Uh, Chris Brown asked, uh, what are the goals for this year in trucks and any chance of maybe making an Xfinity start this year? Uh, regular season champ and final four appearance. That's, that's literally the goals. Um, 
like we have a cup caliber pit crew and about two, three times the resources and finances that we've ever had. And, um, a lot of really good race trucks, a lot of good people around us. So I don't see, see why not. And that's what they all expect and, um, should be in a good spot. So, uh, yeah, is there more? No, there's just one more. Oh, what's the last one? Uh, so the, uh, the last one, uh, Trevor Ward asked, uh, have you, or will you ever considering running the Oxford 250 at Maine's fastest parking lot? I would, I really want to, uh, I just don't know how, um, like I'd have to get or build a specific race car for it. Um, but it's, it's on the list. I, I really want to run that race, but, uh, you know, I'm pretty tied in with Ben Doran's and I just haven't ha- came across a race car to, um, that we could do it or, or, you know, we're mainly focused on snowball this year. That's our, our package and, and everything. So that's the car we're building, but I've told them a lot. We need to build an Oxford 250 car. Um, we were hoping it was going to be part of the national tour and hopefully like help and, and make it all one and not have to deal with all the rules. But it just, honestly, it sounds like they're just fighting each other between two two national tours that are just all the same series with just a little bit more money, but not enough to really make it all the difference with different rules packages and totally just like not talking to each other, not communicating. And then meanwhile, there's pass. Like, I don't, I don't know what changed other than just instead of Southern super series, it's all the same series. It's just now just, there's a few, there's like a few more races. And even if you went to all of them, you're just only going to run, people's regular schedules they only have to go to three four more and they get a little bit more money now i don't know what changed yeah that's all it's all forms of uh short track racing i think as fighting each other it's almost like they enjoy doing that for some reason yeah but see the problem is with dirt racing they all fight each other with 1.5 oh, yeah, like they're yeah. all like fighting they're all like fighting each other on like outbidding each other on purse right like, it's just a dick measuring with, contest yeah but which is great for the, the drivers in asphalt short track racing, all they're doing is just fighting each other on rules. Like that that's all it seems like. Which all it does is cost more money. Yeah. Yeah. The, the one thing that I've always noticed is that anytime a rule comes out, it usually is going to cost me or somebody money. It, even though yeah. no matter how they try to swing it, oh, it's going to save you money. It that doesn't. It's always it's always an extra cost somehow. But. It's the same it's the same way in NASCAR. Like in like it instead of like like I just don't understand where dirt racing comes with all their money. I don't know how these comp like these series have two million dollar purse funds and you know you sign a contract to run the full year and they give you a deposit, uh like a loyalty check, and then they'll just like I think cut it out if you don't run the full year like you break the contract they just cut it out of your next purses or, or you just ask for it back but like that sets you up for your start of the year if you had nothing and you could run and then try and get more or hope you run good and there's a lot of guys that either make money or they're plenty fine losing money but they make so much money that like they could offset you know davenport he could have three bad years and he still kind of offsets his costs yeah, that's actually uh, that's one of the questions that I had in my notes. I think that was probably the last one that I had was since you've been dabbling in the dirt world, like w- like what the hell is the difference between the dirt stuff and the asphalt guys? And why is like, a 10,000 to win super late model race like the biggest and best thing that you're going to see? And then, you know, you have like a dirt race on like a Tuesday somewhere in like a cornfield in Iowa and it's like $50,000 to win. 
I don't understand. I've been trying to figure that out. I don't under like I was like, and no one knows the answer. Like nobody knows. Like it, it costs less to do. They're making less money on tires. So like the grandstands aren't a hundred percent that full. A lot of it, a lot of the pavement stuff's on flow. So they're not getting like a flow check. So like, I don't understand a whole lot. Like the only thing that I can like think of or that I noticed, cause I, I did have, spend some time out in Ohio and like the Midwest area, there's a lot of farming money, which is where like you get like your, you know, whatever the fucking is on Davenport's car, like a lot of the, you know, you have brands and stuff like that, where, you know, I went to college with some kids that, you know, their parents owned a farm and they would come to school every like six weeks in a brand new truck because they had to spend that much money or else they're going to get fucked in taxes. So yeah, like, I, I get yeah i guess i i could for sure believe that i just think there's just there's just the cool factor like it there's there's car owners want to own a world outlaw sprint car they want to own a world outlaw late mall they want to have their brand on a world outlaw late mall like that's why you see all these nos energy drinks everywhere and um like i just think it's just that cool factor of you know if you're gonna own a race car you're gonna it you know cost you a good bit to do it but like once you have it and do all the initial investments like you could kind of offset your costs a bit and not have to get a twenty thousand tire dollar tire bill every other week and uh i that would be my only guess i talked to mark martin for a while about it i don't i don't just i don't understand where how it spikes so hard and meanwhile asphalt racing has just plateaued and it's just stayed or dipped um and i just I just don't know how all the, like there's that many people with money that want to promote races. And, and, and I know a lot of promoters and I know they make money on their races. Like they have, they, they do $175,000 to win races or $50,000 win races for three of three series. And they still make plenty of money and have in their pocket after everything's paid and all the drivers are paid and they still walk out, you know, plenty of profit and they're ready for the next one. Like I, I I've seen it. I know it. Like, I just don't understand. Like, like, and I know asphalt or tracks, like they can't, like, otherwise they're all playing the, the poor me card really well, but I just don't know how they could be losing money and go about to lose their racetrack. Meanwhile, this one's spending more getting less at the gate and still making plenty and, you know, probably doubling their investment or make it pretty good that they they could live a year off of. Almost like the the asphalt world and the short track, like the people that I know it's it's almost like those people like navigate just towards NASCAR and like World Outlaws late models is the biggest series in dirt. So like they're kind of getting like a bigger piece than uh than the like people like that that are interested in asphalt racing just gravitate towards NASCAR and then they don't go to their local short track, which I mean we can can say a lot about the uh I know the promotion at the local level and you know uh i feel like there's there's definitely some uh, ground to be made there but that's the only thing that i could come up with but it's still yeah it doesn't i make- just i think another example too is like the crazy part is like the hunt the front guys like they literally have a youtube channel and they've grown it enough that like their investment on a super late model series a southeast super late model series they could they could pay 15 20 grand a race and they're you know, if you're going to do a 10 race series, like I guarantee they're not going to like their, their risk versus reward. I guarantee their risk. Uh, the risk is like 
we're probably going to make money on this deal. Or if anything, worst case scenario, we're going to break even on this, but the promotion is going to, you know, set us up for the next year, whatever the case may be. And like they could afford a two, $300,000 points fund or whatever the case may be. Like, like just guys who ran late models and started a YouTube channel two, three years ago can start that series. Meanwhile, you know, Bob Sargent is, and, and Ricky Brooks are right now fighting a series that has a hundred total, a hundred thousand total purse fund, basically. Meanwhile, I think the winner of, you know, you, there's like seven events at Eldora alone that pay over 150. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely wild. Is that, is, is dirt late model racing? I guess you've kind of already like touched on it, but is that something that you plan on doing uh, more often throughout this year as time allows? Yeah, I hope so. I'm going to be really, really busy, but, uh, I mean, hopefully, um, for sure. I want to run like the dream or something or, um, for sure a race or two at Eldora now that I got some laps and, um, feel like I could give it a, a good shot. Uh, you know, Eldora is the, the king of them all. And, uh, but I just want to run as much as possible. I wanted to run Volusia. Just, I don't think the car is going to be ready in time with parts and obviously, you know, trying to run a NASCAR team and the operations manager is the only employee basically and crew guy on the dirt late model. He's, he's a bit busy this time of year. Um, and then he gets less busy once things are moving. He's just more checking up on things rather than organizing it all and setting it all up. Well, I, uh, I think that we should probably wrap this up. I was under the impression that, uh, that Bobby might be on the way to passing away, but I think his internet <laughs> broke out and he's now, uh, I don't, I don't know. know. Can you, can you still hear me or is it just my oh, camera? Yeah, we can hear you, but you look like you might be zooted. <laughs> yeah, it's it's black on my screen and Carson is upside down on my screen now all of a sudden. I don't know what the hell's going on. Perfect. That's Time Warner for you. But uh, <laughs> oh, uh, one, one question I do have for you. I mean, you obviously seem locked in on the truck this year. You have goals of being in the final four, which obviously I, that's probably everybody's goal going into the season, right? But what, what are we looking at like three, five, ten years down the line here? Are we trying to get up into the, the Xfinity series? You want to race on Sundays eventually? You know, what's the goal? Or do you just want to, you know, go back to dirt and fucking kick them in the dick in the out, uh, you know, world of outlaws? Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I just want to run anything I can. I want to run 200 races a year more than anything. Um, you know, I want to I want to do that Kyle Larson schedule, run every dirt car in the sun, run cup, run trucks, and uh, you know winning a pole at Richmond, flying in to Knoxville Nationals, running the Knoxville Nationals, and then flying back to run the cup race on Sundays. It's about the coolest weekend there is. Um, but, no, I'm just taking it one step at a time, and hopefully, you know, I can move up and run on Saturday and then run on Sunday. But, um, you know, regardless, I know I'm going to run trucks for a long, long time for Al Nice, one race or 23. Um, I think we're good enough friends, and, you know, he's – far enough into his retire retirement, we, as he says, but he ain't retired no, no more than, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be, you know, 85 and he'll still would outwork me, you know, he, he, you know, no matter how old he is, he's going to be working the last day day. So it's, uh, it's crazy, but no, I think we're in a good spot and, um, you know, hopefully I'm running on Sunday. Um, if that ever comes. It sounds like, so if you want to do the Kyle Larson schedule, it sounds like you're going to be running an Indy 500 at some point too. <laughs> that would be cool. I would, I would talk to Ferrucci a lot and I was always worried about uh, like my legs being too long. Like I would just always seen the pictures or the, 
like my legs getting ripped off and I just hated that thought. And he told me, he's like, Oh, those don't happen anymore. Like that, that's uh, we fixed that a few years ago. I'm like, Oh, okay, good. Only a few <laughs> years ago. Good. I'll, I'll let you develop it a few more times before <laughs> I, I go do that. But, uh, but no, um, well, you know, we're comparing, you know, it was me, Briscoe and Frucci sitting there at the chili bowl and we're all comparing what it feels, feels like to crash in each other's car, you know, the next gen car, the indie car, uh, you know, my truck and, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, he was like, Oh, you know, I just had my, my leg braced wrong. And he's like, Oh, I just broke my leg when I hit the wall. I'm like, okay, you're really helping me out here on wanting to do an indie car race, but I don't have, I wouldn't Briscoe said he'd never want to do the 500, even from his Indiana, even though he's from Indiana, he would do some road course stuff for the same reason. He just doesn't want to crash at two thirty. but I think it'd be something that I know I wouldn't win or run really good at all. And, um, I think Kyle's, you know, he's so good. And I, you know, I, you say it and like, if anybody's going to go run good, it would be him. But, you know, I just think it's so, so different that, uh, you know, I just would want to be a part of the race and be a part of the intros and make the race more than anything. And, uh, just run all 200 and just be happy to be there and happy to have my name and have a cool story in the suit to hang up and, uh, just ultimately that's all of it eventually is just cool story. So I just want to add that one to the list. So, so we, we, we've had names like Kyle Larson, Kyle Bush come up, you know, you, you've obviously raced with them in other forms of motorsports, but what is it, you know, I, I mean, you, you've obviously gotten to dabble in different kinds of race cars and race against a lot of different people, but you know, people like Kyle Larson, Kyle Bush, what is it that makes them just so fucking good? I mean, they could just do anything with anything. Like they just do everything and anything like they can go fast. And there's like Kyle Larson's so good because he could be totally out of control. Meanwhile, if you asked him, he felt like he was plenty in control. That's just normal to him. And, and then Kyle is just so uh, Bush is just so good at literally finding the grip and just being so methodical. Like I, he's just so smart in every avenue of a race car. And it, during a race, like you could just see, you know, he puts himself always in good spots. He never's in a bad spot and just always somehow finds a way to haul ass. And if he's not hauling ass, he finds a way to just outsmart people and get two or three more spots. I got one last thing for you, Carson. Any tips to get to get around Berlin? I'm going to bring my super modified out there this summer. Uh, I mean, more than anything, it's just a big circle. So just literally just if you're like, 25 degrees to the left going around there you're pl going plenty fast enough like that's it like you once you have your momentum going you really shouldn't have to move the wheel at all maybe just a little bit three and four but i don't even know how hard you like i don't even know if my, the super mods would be able to like how they would handle crossing over the transition of the uh apron off four but i think for sure like you'd be just fine if you're just 25 degrees to the left and just running the whole circle so that's kind of similar to all the local tracks here in Maine. For some reason, straightaways are a myth in Maine. Um, my buddy, Mike Gordway, we've had him on the show. He set the track record last year and won. Probably should have won both nights. And he won at least uh, one Saturday night. He said he was the only one driving like above the transition. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, between you and him, I'll try not to suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this has been good. I I'm, I'm glad we had you on. Uh, went went a lot smoother than I thought it was going to. Uh, 
but no, uh, it sounds like these guys are going to see you down in Daytona. Um, I'll try to see you at some point throughout the year. Um, good luck. Don't suck. And uh, keep that truck pointing in the right direction, I guess. All right. Well, thank, thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Brad. Uh, thanks, Black Screen. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll be sure to bring you a, a Snapchat QR code uh, yeah. with your, your Snapchat on there to Daytona so you can park that thing in victory lane. Yeah. I'll, I'll snap I was going to say, I'm going to definitely need that. I'll, I'll snap here in a bit. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Brad. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Race car, race car. Here we go, race car.